Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Job, chapter 38, verses 1 through 7. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And we pick up a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Let us listen for the word of God. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather grain into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And any of you, and can any of you, by worrying at a single hour to the span of your life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of the Lord. Try to pose yourself this task, not to think of a polar bear. (laughs) And you will see that the cursed thing will come to mind every minute. Fyodor Dostoevsky wrote this in 1863, and it is a perfect example of what psychologists call the ironic process theory. The theory suggests that the more you try to suppress an emotion or thought, the more likely it is to bubble up to the surface of your consciousness. And I can only speak for my own thoughts, but I am certainly thinking of a polar bear. And not only that, I'm actually thinking about the next time that I'll get to go to the Detroit Zoo and see the polar bears there. And in our New Testament reading this morning, Jesus gives us an imperative several times over. And over these verses, we hear the same command. Do not worry. And again, I can only speak for myself but the ironic process theory is at work in me, and I am beginning to worry. I think that Jesus knew that his simple command, do not worry, 
might make some of us immediately worry a little bit more because Jesus added a few instructions to illustrate his message and to help it seek in. So not only does Jesus ask us, do not worry, or commands us, do not worry, he asks us to do something else as well. He asks us to look at the birds, to consider the lilies of the field. If God feeds the birds and clothes the flowers, how much more will God take care of human beings? Jesus is saying, look around. Think about the wonderful world that God has created, the world that God spoke into being, the world God called good, and the world that God continues to sustain. Think about this to help us truly not worry. Wendell Berry wrote in The Peace of Wild Things, as when despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night, at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still waters and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting for their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free. It certainly seems to me that Wendell Berry had this portion of the Sermon on the Mount that I read this morning in the back of his mind as he wrote this poem. But it is not always easy to take time to look around and to consider God's creation. And sometimes we do just need to step out of our normal routines to leave the chaotic nature of our lives to get some perspective on the world around us. When I was in college, I would spend most of my summers working at Ghost Ranch as a part of the college staff. Ghost Ranch is one of the educa National Education Conference and Retreat Centers of the Presbyterian Church, and it is certainly one of many places that people tend to go to get away, to take some time to rest in the grace of the world and to be free. Located in northern New Mexico, Ghost Ranch is in the midst of mesas and mountains. It is dotted with cacti, pinyon, and dogwood trees clays, rocks, and soils of many colors that mix together to create picturesque landscapes that most famously have been captured in the paintings of Georgia O'Keeffe. It is truly a great and beautiful place to visit if you ever do get the chance. It is a place that will allow you to pause, to look around, and to consider, and to reflect. One of my favorite things about living and working there was the chance to look up at the stars at night. The darkness there allows you to literally see thousands upon thousands of stars and planets. And if the moon is not in the sky, you can easily see a thick band of stars that make out the Milky Way galaxy. So I would often look up into the vastness of God's creation, gazing into the heavens, and while I was filled with awe and wonder, I was also filled with humility in these moments. Humbled, knowing that God created all of those heavenly bodies, all of the countless stars, the galaxies, black holes, interstellar clouds of gas and dust, and all sorts of other yet-to-be-discovered phenomenon. And knowing that even amongst 
the vastness and the untouchable cornerstones of the universe that God had laid, God created life on this planet. Lilies and birds and human beings. The first time that I saw the stars at Ghost Ranch, I was in awe and wonder. It was like nothing I had ever seen before, and awe and wonder are the only words that I can think of to describe how I felt. Thinking of the greatness of the intricacies of the cosmos, and thinking of how great our God is who created that world, I am just put into awe and wonder. And it also calls to my mind Psalm 8. Here are verses 3 through 5. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. The psalmist reflects on the care and attention, the mindfulness that God provides humanity even in the midst of the great cosmic expanse that is residing in and is sustained by God's providential reign. The psalmist still notes how special human beings are, even with this sense of awe and wonder as the psalmist recognizes the immensity of the heavens and the uniqueness of humanity at the same time. And it also reminds me of our first scripture reading from Job. The portion that Nancy read for us this morning is really just the tip of the iceberg. It is the beginning portion of God's response to Job. We only heard the first seven verses of chapter 38, but that is the beginning of God's speech that will continue through the rest of chapter 38 and 39. God asks questions about how animals are fed, where does the rain come from? How are the mountains formed? Why do ostriches lay their eggs on the ground? And how do hawks fly? These are just to name a few of the many workings of the world that God asks of Job. If you do have time this week, I would invite you to read all of this fascinating discourse found in these true chapters. It is a very remarkable portion of the Bible and one that we don't hear very often. And so when Job questioned God, God actually avoids the questions, redirecting Job to think about the whole of creation, redirecting Job's mindset to the larger world in which he resides, asking Job truly unanswerable questions. God, in a sense, is trying to humble Job back to the earth in which he resides. As Douglas Abrams in our summer book read, The Book of Joy, points out, the word humility actually comes from the Latin word for earth or soil. Humility brings us back to earth, and as the Dalai Lama and the Archbishop Desmond Tutu discuss, humility can help us to live lives that are filled with joy. So Desmond Tutu says, humility is the recognition that your gifts are from God. And this lets you sit relatively loosely to those gifts. Humility is what brings us back to earth. It is what grounds us, recognizing that all of our gifts that have been given, that God has given to the entire earth. And when we consider how the Hebrew word for the first man, Adam, can both be the proper name of Adam, the first man who was formed out of dirt and who was 
breathed into the breath of life by God, it also can mean soil or the earth in general. So it is fitting that we as human beings return to the earth in all its splendor with humility, hopefully not humiliated, but humbled, in awe and wonder at the greatness of our planet Earth, which is also coincidentally, or perhaps providentially, the title of one of my favorite television shows, Planet Earth. It was released in the United Kingdom in 2006, and now, thankfully, it is on the streaming service Netflix. This nature documentary that was produced by the BBC explores the natural world, from the poles to the deserts to the seas, the plains, the mountains, to reefs, caves, rivers, and jungles. So when I watch this show, and I watch it frequently, I experience awe and wonder as the camera captures stunning landscapes, the immense height of mountain ranges, the unbelievable power and depth in the ocean, the flowing grassland and growing forests. And while taking in all of the stunning geological features, planet Earth also looks at the ways that many that the many and varied life forms of this earth live, from tiny mushrooms to towering redwoods, from the littlest crawling ants to giant whales. And one episode even features a polar bear. <laughs> and so as I watch this, I am constantly blown away by the vast beauty of this planet that God has created, the vast beauty of this planet that God sustains. No matter how many times I return to it, it fills me with a sense of awe and wonder, and it fills me with a sense of humility. So when I watch Planet Earth or I visit Ghost Ranch, filled with this deep appreciation for God's creative nature and all of the beauty of the Earth, I think about how amongst this great and good creation, human beings have a special place, unique, among all of the creatures in our cosmos. As I was rereading through the William Sloan, William Sloan Coffin's book, Credo, this week, I noticed how much of an importance he places on the fact that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. God was incarnated. God entered into unique relationship with humanity by becoming human in the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived among us, Jesus was baptized, and Jesus taught us, preaching on the mount, and telling us, do not worry. The incarnation is just one of the signs that human beings have a unique relationship to God, that God loves humanity, despite all of our faults. And we recognize that God's love is for each and every one of us. As Coffin writes, of God's love, we can say two things. It is poured out universally from everyone, from the Pope to the loneliest wino on the planet. And secondly, God's love doesn't seek value. It creates value. God loves all of us equally, and God gives value to each and every person because of that love, not because of anything we can do. And this is at the heart of Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama's conversation about humility. It would be easy for either of these men, both highly respected spiritual leaders, both Nobel Peace Prize winners, to think very highly of themselves, 
to worry about their own status or to feel like they somehow have earned more of God's love and are somehow of more value to the world. But that is not the attitude that they take. Both of them recognize that we are all people, all of us, all 7.6 billion people in the world have been created from the same source and we all hold that same value. We are the same. And when we lose sight of that, that is when we create divisions and discord and hatred in our world. As the Dalai Lama said, if I relate to others from the perspective of myself as someone different, a Buddhist, a Tibetan, and so on, I will then create walls to keep me apart from others. So let us go back and listen again to Jesus' instruction, knowing that God's love is poured out for everyone, and considering that great immensity of God's creation. Do not worry about food or drink or clothing. Look at the birds. Consider the lilies of the field. If God takes care of the birds and the flowers and the fields, how much more will God take care of you? God who stretches out the heavens, the moon and the stars, who sustains the entirety of the cosmos, who created human beings, who loves them like a parent loves a child, who claims us as God's own. And in that love we have peace, not to worry, but to be freed, trusting in the loving arms of God. So Jesus told us what not to do. Jesus said, do not worry. He also told us what we should do. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek God's righteousness. If we work for the kingdom of God and for righteousness, all of the other worries will be taken care of as well. Now the Gospels are full of Jesus' teaching on the kingdom, and that would be an entire another sermon series. But I think we can learn a little bit about the kingdom from the Book of Joy and from the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu's conversations as well. There is joy in the kingdom of God. And when we recognize the common humanity of all people with humility about ourselves while affirming the common dignity of others, we make the kingdom of God known on earth. We enable joy, happiness, and righteousness to flourish in this wide and wonderful world that our great God has created. Alleluia. Amen. Holy are you, restorer of broken lives, and blessed is Jesus Christ, the mediator of salvation. Seeing the nightmare of our lives, he became one of us so that we might see the dreams you have for us. Knowing how our hearts overflowed with fear, bitterness, and worry, he came with peace and comfort. Teaching that the body is more than sin, that life is more than death, he became our ransom on the cross and our salvation by rising from the grave. As we give thanks for his life and death, as we shout with joy for his resurrection, we speak of that mystery we call faith. Christ died, the righteousness for all. Christ was raised, the resurrection for all. Christ will return, the fulfillment for all. Pour out your spirit, doing great things with the bread and the cup. Empty we will be filled with the plenty of your grace. 
the broken bread, strengthening us so we might bring healing to a world shattered by violence and despair. Longing for hope, we shall be satisfied with the cup of blessing, our lives overflowing with your love and compassion, pouring out ourselves for the poor and marginalized of our time. And when all our worrying hours have ended, when we are clothed in your mercy forever, we will gather with our sisters and brothers, our mouths filled with laughter, our hearts echoing glad songs of joy to you, God and community, holy in one. And so until then, sustain us with this meal to work for your kingdom, living the prayer Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.